our interpretation of prophecy going forward. And we've, we've dwelt um, for a while here on this key uh, as far as understanding Bible prophecy in this key of interpretation because everything flows from these lessons. Whether you interpret the Bible literally or allegorically, then that's going to determine the way you look at prophecy, the way you interpret prophecy. And so um, we're, we're going to go ahead and read these verses. I know we read them uh, last week as well. But uh, what we have here is what is known as the second advent of Christ. And we won't stand out. We'll just, just read where you are. And um, again, we have, you have the, the second coming of Christ in two phases. The easiest way I know to explain it is the rapture versus the return. The rapture is when Jesus comes for his children. Okay? The return is when he comes with his children. Okay? And it's hard for him to come with his children if he doesn't come for his children. Amen? And uh, there's a lot to that. But uh, So what you have in Revelation chapter 19 is you have the return. You have This is when Jesus comes with his children. You say, well, how do we get to the four? I believe, and many do, that in Revelation chapter 4, when uh, you say there's a voice from heaven that says, come up hither, I believe that's the rapture of the church. You have chapter chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation that are the church, and then the church is not mentioned again in Revelation. And there's a reason for that, I believe, and I believe that the, the, the premillennialism teaches that the church is gone. It's not on the earth. It's been raptured. We're, we're uh, at the judgment seat of Christ and, and uh, uh, at the marriage supper of the Lamb and then all that. And then we come back with him, and that brings us to chapter 19, verse 11 where it says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Remember this, when Jesus comes for his church, he comes to take them and, and judge them at the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone he comes for in the rapture is saved. We're being judged for rewards. But here when he returns, he's coming to rule. Forgive me, he's coming to destroy his enemies. Those who said, no, I don't want the gospel. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And so uh, he, he, that with it he should rule with a rod of iron. And then it says, he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Never forget, when you got saved, you got saved from the wrath to come. Oh. It says, and he hath his, on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together 
unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. You know, I was walking several weeks ago and I, I came around and I, I did a, a four-mile walk and I came to the edge of our property and we have, uh, we have these trees. I call them leaners, Brother Jim. They're dead. There's nothing on them. And I kid you not, there were 12 turkey buzzards I said to myself, they only sit on the dead trees, Brother Apple. It's like they just love death. Those birds do. Amen. Well, you know what? Here God is saying, look, I'm calling to all the scavenger birds. You're about to have a great supper because I'm going to slaughter the enemies of God. You say, do you think that really means that God's going to destroy his enemies? I really do. I really do. In verse 19, he says, and I saw the beast... That's the Antichrist and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken. I, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I'm looking forward to it. If Jesus is just going to walk up to him and take him by the ear, you know, like a little kid in class, a little disobedient kid, I don't know how it's going to happen, but he's going to take him. And the false prophet, if he's going to tell Michael or Gabriel to do it, which wrought miracles before him, with which he had deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image, these were both cast alive into a lake burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him, how long? A thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more, till the what? Thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God. These are them during the tribulation, when they had to literally give their life said, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image. They said, take the mark. And they said, no. They said, we'll cut your head off. They said, cut it off. Said, or hadn't received their mark in their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the what? thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him how long? So uh, you have your lesson, again, a short lesson tonight uh, as we just give you some graphs here. Uh, but as we stated in our last lesson, eschatology breaks down into three basic groups of interpretation. Now, I make no apology for saying we are the, the first here, not only at our church as, as, as a body, but also your pastor, amen? And that is premillennialism. 
premillennialism. And, and you see this graph, and that is simply, you see, you see the cross there, amen, and then you see what is many times called the church age, or the, the age of the church, that's uh, after the cross, amen, and, and again, we, we, I think we referenced this last week, some people believe differently, I believe it started at Pentecost, but I wouldn't fuss with another brother who said it uh, started when Jesus breathed on his disciples or when he called them or, or whatever, but there's uh, the church, and then you see that little notch next to the church, that is where we believe the rapture of the church takes place. Where God, Jesus comes in the clouds for his children. That is, the we believe, the next event on God's prophetic calendar. And uh, listen, we're, we're not uh, watching for signs. We're waiting for sounds. Amen. We're waiting for the trumpet to sound. Amen. And by the way, we're not just waiting with our arms folded. We're supposed to be actively waiting, watching and waiting. Uh, I think about that passage in Matthew chapter 24 where it tells us to watch and pray for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. And it says this, Blessed is that servant who when his Lord cometh shall find so doing. Boy, I tell you what, I want to be serving the Lord when the trumpet sounds. I don't know uh, what I'd be doing. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful to be leading a soul to Christ, amen, and, and get to that point where, where they trust Christ and then the trumpet would sound, amen. I've often said I, I want to be doing a funeral. I'd love to be doing a funeral, Brother Brooks, and just see people who are dead in Christ start popping out, amen. <laughs> amen. And uh, that'd be one. But, but we believe that that next event is the rapture. And then you see after that, you see the tribulation. That is Revelation 6 through Revelation 18, the tribulation. We're going to talk about that as we get into uh, Bible prophecy, that seven-year period. It's divided into two sections, uh, three and a half years of tribulation and then three and a half years of great tribulation. There's a, a key event that takes place in the middle of the tribulation. That's when the Antichrist stands inside the rebuilt temple and he commits what's called the abomination of desolation. He declares himself to be God and he says, worship Worship me or else. Then, after those three and a half years, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I've said this many times as I've preached on prophecy man is going to get what it really wants, and that's a world without God. They're going to have it for seven years, and then Jesus Christ is going to come back and reclaim what is his. Don't forget, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And you see that there under the second advent. And then, again, those of us that take the premillennial position, we believe that there will be a millennium and it will last for 1,000 years. Why? Because the Bible says it will. And then, obviously, off into eternity. So, premillennialism, number one, those who interpret the Bible and prophecy literally. That means we believe the Bible means what it says and says what it means. Are there, are there times, I think we've talked about this, again, I, I don't want to dwell on this, but there are times where the, the Bible uses figures. The Bible, Bible, there are times where the Bible uses metaphors or allegories. Don't let that throw you, okay? 
Don't let that throw you. I, I think about where it says, I think it's in uh, the Psalms, uh, in Psalm 90, where it says, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And so there have been people that say, see, it's a day, it's a thousand years. It's, and it's, the word as is used. It's like a thousand. What does that mean? Because God is eternal. What's a thousand years to him? I, I thought about preaching a message that, you know, he's been gone for 2,000 years. I thought about preaching a message, Brother Hillman, that says it's only been a weekend. It's only been a weekend for Jesus, amen. Uh, he, he'll be back on Monday. Amen. <laughs> Think about it. Amen. But uh, premillennialism, those that interpret the Bible and prophecy literally. Then you have number two, uh, what sometimes is called conservative ah millennialism. Ah millennialism. And uh, the way you can look at that is, and, and you see the graph there, it's, it's, forgive me, there's a lot less on that graph of <laughs> millennialism there. And that is, those who interpret much of the Bible literally, but reject a literal thousand year millennium. And uh, an old preacher had a good way of describing ah millennialism. He said, it's simple. If you just remember the name, just remember, ah, there ain't no millennium. That's, that's what the old country preacher said. That's not the way ah millennials. Again, they interpret much of the Bible literally. They would interpret salvation literally. But when it comes to prophetic events, they do not interpret them literally. And then you have number three, Post-millennialism, and that is liberalism, uh, and this is, there's so much to this. This is that first lesson when we got into whether you interpret the Bible literally or allegorically. Uh, Post-millennialism interprets the Bible allegorically, and we've said, listen, that opens you up to anybody's interpretation. It doesn't. It literally is the the the. And I think we looked at Second Peter chapter one verse twenty, where it says, "No scriptures of any private interpretation." Well, I'll tell you what, when you interpret the Bible allegorically, and it means this to you, but it means this to you, and that is literally the definition of everybody's private interpretation. But if you just interpret it literally. Like it says, amen. And so here we have uh, the graph for post-millennialism. Uh, but, and again, these are, these are <laughs> they're, they're, they're suggestions, really, on this graph. Those who allow for a future life, but deny a literal judgment of the wicked, a literal bodily resurrection, this is the post-millennialists, and even in some cases deny the return of Christ. Well, what do you got concerning prophecy? Not much. I, I, what do you teach? Well, honestly, what do you? Te I'll tell you what you teach. You teach a private interpretation of Scripture, ladies and gentlemen. As we continue on in this study, I, again I say this unashamedly, as a pastor and at, for our church. We believe in the premillennial interpretation of biblical prophecy. That means we believe in the literal rapture of the saints. We believe in the tribulation, the literal tribulation. We believe in the literal return of Christ. We believe in the literal thousand-year millennium. We believe in the literal uh, second resurrection. It talks about the first resurrection here. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Why? Because that means you're saved. 
The second death doesn't have any power in you, but there'll be another resurrection a thousand years later of the unsaved. Huh? You read about that in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. It talks about how the sea gave up the dead and, and, and all these. And everybody in Revelation 20 that stands before God is unsaved. You believe in a literal lake of fire? I most certainly do. This is, to me, the key of interpretation of Bible prophecy boils down to this. Do we, Uncle Joe, take the Bible literally or do we interpret it allegorically? It's literal. It's allegorical, you, again, it's fanciful, and by, I, every cult has ever started with an allegorical interpretation of the Scripture. Just interpret the Bible literally. It says a thousand years, then it means a thousand years. If it says the beast is going to be cast alive into the lake of fire, then you know what's going to happen to the beast? He's going to be cast alive in the lake of fire. And by the way, you read a little further on, and it says that when the devil's cast in there, it says... Where the, after his thousand years are expired and he's let go or let out for a little while, it says the devil's going to be cast in there. And you read your Bible, it says, I think it's Revelation 20, verse 10, it says that the devil will be cast in a lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are. They didn't burn up as soon as they went in there. They're still there after a thousand years. Amen? And so, again... We interpret the Bible literally, so key of interpretation, we'll, uh, again, we'll take next week off, and then uh, the following week, Lord willing, we'll start with the next key, and that is the key, the, the key of prophecy is Jesus Christ, amen.